The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know the Turing test was originally developed to determine if armadillos could pass as humans successfully uh, to another human? And we passed it a long time ago, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> For more armadillo-related facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and to check out our other podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 11 through 15 of Knife of Dreams, book 11. 11. How do you keep forgetting that? I don't, it's so many. The numbers are so high. <laughs> <laughs> it is a one and another one. That's tricky. <laughs> That's true. Uh, book 11 of the Wheel of Time. Oh my God! Sorry, Jeff, are Jeff, are you having a stroke? I'm totally derailed. You okay? Uh, I got COVID brain. Oh wait, uh, what? You know? No. No, I don't have COVID. The long COVID, which is like long pig, but oh, for COVID. The long COVID. Good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Previously, Matt continues his relentless pursuit of romance with his horrible slaver future wife. She's funny and clever and beautiful and believes that some humans are also property. (laughs) We're pretty conflicted over here in the armadillo den. Anyway, Matt goes shopping and gets her a romantic horse gift that she just adores. Not that I'd go for that myself, but she's super into it. Matt also solves the mystery of the bell founder. Well, more accurately, Eludra gets bored with watching him fumble around for the right answer and gives him a pass. Obviously, it's cannons. Everyone but Matt knew the answer was cannons, guys. (laughs) So now Matt has recruited the age's first artillery manufacturer, yay. The Aes Sedai in his life continue to be horrible, harassing him with magic and trying to separate him from his magic shield. Uh, they try that shit on two one, and she's just like, oh, huh, you forgot that I'm a horrible slaver, huh? Well, here's try some slavery. Uh, Matt intercedes, but it feels like that whole thing is a long way from resolved. But none of that matters because we finally get to see Tom's letter from Moiraine, Portal Goo Damadred, and she's alive in the land of the Eilfin? Eilfin? Elfin. Remember, what we say, what we do is we just say it in between, <laughs> and the listeners will think that we said the right one. <laughs> and only Matt, Tom, and some other person can save her from certain death. Let's hope they go about that very soon. Uh, well, sooner rather than later, because I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. Spoiler, they don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think that Tuon is worse than Fael, right? If we're ranking them. Fael's not a slaver. Right, exactly. It's, it's a bummer because, like, in terms of personality, right? Like, Tuan's funnier and she's like clever and she's like interesting in certain ways, but she's also a slaver. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, mm-hmm. kinda. Yeah. No, I still, th- I think across the board, Tuan is worse. I mean, she still calls Matt toy. At least Fayil calls Perrin by his freaking name. Yeah, but mm. Fayil also physically abuses Perrin like pretty regularly. I think Tuan just hasn't done it because like she's Shanchen, so she like is supposed to have people to do it for her. Yeah, she's always her her jokes are all like, "What kind of slave am I going to make you? I'm going to make you a horse slave today." Yeah, instead yeah. of so a cupbearer slave or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is she's sort of the it's worst. like I would say that's a threat of physical violence. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. At it's, least it's, it's dehumanizing. Yeah, it's tough because, like, you know, I do, I do like some Tuan's traits, but that, that's a pretty big, pretty big one in the negative column. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess, as much as I hate to say it, yeah, I guess Tuan's worse than Fayil. Yeah. yeah. So, so in terms of like the primary significant others, right? Then I would, it would have to be 
Min Avienda Elaine Fail Tuon. Or about Nynaeve. Or wait, no, Lan. Sorry. I was just thinking of Lan. Lan's number one, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, Lan is number one in our hearts and in marriage. <laughs> right. Nynaeve is an amazing partner. Yeah. But she's 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 a, I was kind she's of a central of the, character. The significant others of the main characters. Oh, yeah, the three so, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why why? Because well, they're the main characters. Women can't be main characters, Jeff. No, that's God. why that's why no. I said Lan, because Nynaeve is a main character. I'm not saying they can't be main characters, I'm saying they can't be main characters in fantasy novels. <laughs> <laughs> Send your hate mail to <laughs> Jeff at Eat my no to future Jeff. Reserve Jeff at eat my ass. Dot ass. Or is it just eat, eat, eat my dot ass, I guess? Probably. <laughs> is dot ass a current domain? I don't think so, right? Yeah, it's for association, right? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Eating my ass association. I'm sure that's taken. I'm sure someone's got eat my dot ass. <laughs> yeah, it's positive. <laughs> and you can email and complain that they've already taken it, but they already can tell you where to send your. count Avienda as a partner like technically he's married to her but he had sex with her once like when's the last I mean, time they had a conversation so far you know yeah it's a good point I mean, uh, he's he, talked to her as recently as talked as he's talked to Elaine right I don't know in terms of just time spent he might have spent more time with her than any of the others right yeah but that was like books and books and books ago when she was teaching him about Aiel culture and being a huge bee about it the whole time too that's true yeah well, I, I, yeah but but to Jeff's point like He's, he knows her the best of all of them in some ways, right? He spent the most time with her. Mm. I mean, over Elaine, I mean. He's probably spent more time with men at this point, right? At this right? point, maybe, yeah. Because yeah. Men's been following around for a while. Yeah. Mm. His relationship with men is a lot friendlier, so he probably talks to her a lot more. That's, yeah. That's true. They probably have actual conversations. Because, you know, she's like a boy, but she's not a boy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 11. A Hell in Madurin. Icon of the Dice. Yeah. At their next stop... Tuan summons Matt, which I guess is new, right? She's never like actually summoned him like this before, sent someone to bring him I in. I can't remember if she has, actually. Usually she comes she, around a lot, you know, just like shows up. But. Yeah, usually she's kind of like pretending like she's not into it. Yeah, yeah. just lurking around somewhere just by coincidence. But this time she asks him out on a date to hell. Yeah. Which is apparently well, yeah. just what they call a dive bar, I guess. Yeah, when he gets the summons, he's just sitting there throwing dice. Yeah. And he just, like, he throws the dark one's eyes, which is five dice rolling a one. Well, yeah. yeah. Very unlikely. And he rolls it like 10 times in a row. And it's, he doesn't even, like, eh, that's normal. Uh-huh. It's, just, it's just fun. This is how I do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she wants to go to a hell, which is, I guess, a dive, the diviest dives. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a big argument about it because Matt doesn't want to take her to a place where people get stabbed all the time. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Crazy Matt. Then Tom comes along and, you know, Matt tries to get a bailout from his wingman. And at first it seems like Tom's wish to save. He's like, oh yeah, I bet I could find you a solid dive bar, man. And then he's like, oh, a dive bar. And Tom's like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, on the way to the the bar, they they... Tom notices that the people here are just A-OK with the Shanshan. Yeah, which is, I mean, not that surprising, I suppose, because we've learned that essentially the Shanshan come in and they claim ownership, but they don't really change anything. So if they come in and, like, improve security and provide, like, health services and then leave, yeah, then... make the trains run on time. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, like that... 
this is really starting to bother me actually because there, this is Robert Jordan showing this kind of settler colonization. Like the and the the Shanshan come here and they're just a better government and they move their settlers in and everybody's happy because they brought you know the light of civilization to these people or something, but we know how colonization actually works in the real real world, right? Yeah. In fact, we've got we there's an example in the headlines right now of settler colonization going on in Israel Palestine. Yeah. Right, and you can see exactly how it works. Right, they move the settlers in, the settlers start competing for resources and land with the local people. And whenever there's any friction, then the military moves in and kills all the local people and pushes them away. It's this sort of creeping, like, displacement. It's almost ethnic cleansing. It's terrible, right? Yeah. I do wonder what's going to happen. In Sha- do you think that's going to happen with the Shanshan eventually? I, I, I really hope so, because if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be angry at Robert Jordan, because he knows better. Yeah. Like, he, he should know better about colonization, how it works. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I mean, this is what uh, what America did to the Native Americans, right? Yeah. Like, everything was A-OK with the Native Americans, like, the, the relationship with the Native Americans... Uh, until they started moving, moving in the settlers, and the st- settlers wanted the same land that the Native Americans were were living on, and then you literally send in the cavalry to drive off the Native Americans. It's this sort of process that happens. Yeah, he was a student of history. Yeah, he would know. And there's this other, uh, there's another parallel actually, in that the Shanchen, they, 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 what they tell you is that they have a claim to this land because they're from it a thousand years ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I. And they've got this weird, they, they have the, in their minds, there's this weird legal reason why they deserve to have all these lands and resources, but nobody that they're dealing with has ever even heard of them, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we, we talked about this from the beginning that, that I had a feeling that Sean, that Robert Jordan was like cozying up the Sean Chen so that they could, they could be relatable or likable somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm still not feeling that. And I'm wondering if, I'm wondering how it gets handled <laughs> in the long term, you know? Yeah. Because uh, because one of two things has to happen, right? Like they either have to have like a societal turn, which I think is probably what they're going to end up doing, or there needs to be some kind of like uprising that 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 pushes them out or or yeah. breaks their power or something. Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I would be satisfied if they just show the the any negative effects on the the people that have been conquered. Other than the ones that actually resisted. Yeah, Abu Dar is the only example, but that's, like you said, when they when they fought back, right? Yeah, like if the Shanjan aren't here for the land, why are they here at all? They're like those those parasitic birds, the ones they'll lay their eggs in another bird's nest, and then those the babies will be born, and they'll throw out all the native eggs. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's called like a cowbird or something. Uh, didn't a cuckoo bird do that? Is hmm. it a cuckoo? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they both do that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, anyway. That's just something I was thinking about. Yeah, I am curious what they're. I am curious where they're going with this for sure. There's lots of good description here from Robert Jordan, though. He's 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 really good at describing fantasy towns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, this bar that they've taken two on two is a merchant bar. Yeah. Because they're they're betting that she doesn't know the difference between that and like a a knife fighting bar. (laughs) And Matt and Matt uh, literally lays a bet against it. Right? He's like, oh, I bet you a you know a coin that she's going to figure it out. And Tom's like, eh, I don't know, man. She's an empress. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or whatever you know yep and then uh, Tuan gets Matt to engage in some dice rolling and does his usual uh, always winning at dice routine mm-hmm. yeah th- th- this is this is actually kind of great I, I actually I, you know again I know that Tuan is uh, you know horrible for other reasons but I enjoy their little date like the second, it's kind of their second date. First was the horse date. Now they're like they're going out and having a drink together. And she asks like standard second date stuff like, "Oh, you've been to a lot of palaces. So you're not a nobleman. Let's do some gambling." You know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of funny for for Matt. And, and 
perfect a perfect way for him to show off a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me mock you about the time when you were basically being held as a sex slave. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me bring that up. Yeah. And uh, there's a kind of a touchy barroom situation uh, there, which often happens when Matt goes a gambling. Mm-hmm. But Matt handles it with aplomb because he's a you know a skilled operator, and that impresses Tuan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I have to piss like a racehorse. But <laughs> <laughs> in fantasy talk, you know. Right. Visit the necessary. Yeah. But, you know, that's a big mistake because you should never break the seal. When you're out drinking, you got to hold it. Because once you start peeing, you can't stop. I have never heard that in my life. Really? What? Yeah. Jeff, you ever heard that? Never break the seal? When you're out drinking, you're not supposed to go pee because then you have to keep peeing. No, what? Yeah. That's not a thing, Micah. That's totally would you a thing. Want, what? That's how you get a urinary tract. Why would you want to stop peeing once you've started? <laughs> I mean, because you got to go back and visit your friends or you're whatever. You're just going to like, you're not going to empty it out. You're just going to take, the, no, the, take point, the edge off and head back to the table. <laughs> the point is you can never empty it out. Once you, once you pee, like, you know, you finish, then you're going to have to pee again in five minutes because that's once, once cause you've broken the seal. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. No, works. that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe I'll try that next time I'm out drinking in 2040 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not aware of this. No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's just me then. I mean, I, I was sort of of the opinion that you want to pee as much as possible to empty your bladder so that you are not comfortable. Yeah, yeah and then you can go there, refill it. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I've I've had to explain this to my children very recently. <laughs> I'm not wrong about how your relationship. <laughs> no, you should never break the seal. Tell them now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, don't use that body. Don't break the seal. <laughs> There's a monster in there that hates it when you pee. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so Tom... Um, oh, yeah, while the daughter of the nine moons is pacing out like a gallon of beer. <laughs> That's right. Tom shows up. Yes. Yeah, he, he's got news because Tom is doing an intelligence gathering thing, and yeah. they're in trouble. The Shan are out to kill the imposter of Tuon, and yeah. they probably, for some somewhat contrived reason, will kill Tuon as soon as they see her because they'll assume she's the imposter. Yeah, and this is like a Siroth's scheme that she was talking about before. Yeah. And then Tuan thinks that the imposter might be one of her sisters, because uh, that's just a thing that they do. I yeah. thought she'd killed all of them. <laughs> right. Well, her sisters and brothers, right? This, this is why when you start killing sisters, you don't stop. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you break know, right, don't break the seal on killing your sisters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also, we do learn also a couple of other things. We learn um, that the Shanshan are using fork root tea to weed out channelers. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And um, we also learn... Did you say that the Golom is still pursuing them? Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. And also they learned that the, the Golom is on their, their heels. Yeah. So they're, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And all that equates to, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Let's leave the town. Let's get away from the show. Let's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is an ambush in the streets and they're, they're ambushed by like seven or eight guys. And Matt tells everybody to run and attacks the seven or eight guys himself and Kills them all. I know. Yeah. That was except, impressive. Except for the woman, because, you know, Matt doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. Tuan comes and finishes her. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so they, they, they work together well in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a solid fight scene. It, yeah, of course. Robert yeah. Jordan is so good at that. Yeah. It's, but, it's, a, it's interesting how far Matt has come, because he was the farm boy, right? Like a year ago or something. And now he kills eight people with his pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I think there are actually a dozen of them because Matt fights six, but yeah. there's there's six more. And that uh, the reason I bring that up is because there was an interesting exchange here where Tom is like says something like, "Oh, I would never mention that," and I think it's implied that Seleucia kills the other six. I think that's what happened too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Tom is like, "I'm an old man. I, I forget everything I see." Yeah. 
Because, you know, Seleucia appears to be just like Oh, a that's handmaid. what that meant. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Seleucia shows up and again and she's like, God, she's been hurt. No, well, right? she's done some hurting. Yeah, so Seleucia, yeah. as we know, is, is Tuat's handmaiden. But it's also impl- implied or outright said she's that, her bodyguard. that she's yeah. also a bodyguard and yeah. like has, has like all this assassin training. And, and so. also, they mention in this chapter that she that Tom tries to take her cloak and she doesn't let anybody touch her cloak ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so it's got weapons in the problem. That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, that makes sense. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that was kind of a funny exchange. All right. Although it... it the way that Matt constantly mentions Seleucia's boobs makes me think that maybe those are like like actual fake and they're weapons in there. Uh-huh, oh, like yeah. in uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's got guns. <laughs> right. And that's what Tom saw. Mm, that must be it. <laughs> but it turns out these aren't just uh, muggers. These are, because Matt recognizes one of the men as that merchant from the bar who, who leaves right when they first get there. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I think is these are, that guy was a dark friend and, and the, the hit is out on Matt. I think you're right. That's That was my interpretation too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, they resolve to flee the town and flee the show because they are in danger. Chapter 12, a manufactory, icon of the wolf. So Perrin and his new Shanjan best friends go as a delegation to Almazar. And yeah, it's another well-run Shanjan conquered city. Uh, there are a whole lot of tinkers around. And they do, they, apparently there's a bunch of negotiation going on between Perrin and the Shanchan for exactly what they're going to do and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this, this is kind of an interesting, well, I like the, I like the exchange about the tinkers because, you know, at, at first they come in and I think, I don't remember, one of, one of uh, Perrin, oh, it's, I think it's Perrin's um, wizard guy says something about, because he's younger, he's mm-hmm. like, oh. Mishima? Is it Mishima or? No, Mishimo is, Nial, is, is the Shanchan guy. Neil mm-hmm. is the... Yeah. And y'all make some often comment. Parents like, or parents says something like, um, you know, whenever I needed aid, the tinkers have always offered, even even in trouble. Oh yeah, and he, he talks about the the town. He's like, we were facing down a Trollock massacre, and this, the the tinkers like carried our children, you know, prepared to carry our children to safety. And the Shantan just look at him like, Trollock massacre? Who are you? <laughs> 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 like every time he says something, they just look at him like. What, who is this person right now? <laughs> His life has been crazy so far. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, and of course, Balwer goes to visit an old friend in town when they get as soon as they get there. Naturally. The secretary sure do have a lot of friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they head to a Rockhen airfield, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, I like to see how this uh, the mechanics of the Shanshan war machine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're in there to requisition some flyers. Uh, while they're in there, uh, some random guy vomits himself to death with beetles. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice body horror there. Yeah, mm-hmm. which freaks everybody out except, except for Perrin. Perrin, he's yeah. just like crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> yeah. He's like, they're bugs. Why is everyone so scared of some dumb bugs? <laughs> <laughs> These bugs aren't going to help me find Fail. <laughs> <laughs> Bug, <Yeah>. where's Fail? <laughs> <laughs> They don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) A parent is going crazy. Yeah, clearly. Yes, he's seeing seeing Matt and all kinds of crazy images. Right. I mean, they're all doing that right now. They are, yeah. But also, he's just, the pressure is getting to him. Because, I mean, I think even if you're on a desperate quest to free your wife, you have time to react to an incredibly horrible scene of a guy vomiting beetles to death. Until he deflates like a balloon. Yeah, like a sack. Yeah. But that's that's worthy of note, parent. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, 
But either way, he doesn't let that dissuade him from recruiting some Shanshan air support. Mm-hmm. And from there, they move on to the Forkroot factory. Yeah, at, at, at one point, they ask him about the Horn of Valir. Hey, you know anything about the Horn of Valir? <laughs> He's like, it won't help me get Fayil back. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they found it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't care. Uh, so I, I bet that there's another prophecy, right? You know how Tuon is always needling Matt about stuff because I think there's prophecies related to him. Yeah, I think that these pro- these people know prophecies about Perrin. Yeah, they're, they're, I think we've heard something about like uh, someone said something about when the the Wolf King trades yeah. the axe for the hammer or something like that. Right. Yeah. When the Wolf King doesn't care about bugs, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> he asks for more maps, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets maps from the flyers. Yeah, which is very yeah. important. Perrin loves maps. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> Uh, the local Amadicians are super freaked out about Perrin's eyes. And I think that's probably because the White Cloaks put out, you know, APB on him a long time oh, ago. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Or they're all dark friends. Also possible. But the, they go to get the fork root. They go to this manufactory that is run by this Shanshan noble. Yeah. Which I guess it's one of the blood, but not one of like the high blood, just kind of like a medium blood. <laughs> yeah. Mid blood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the, this this one's like pretty full of themselves, I think. Yeah, they, they, well, I guess they all are. Yeah. Uh, Perrin just does his Taveran thing, where he just says a random thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually laughed out loud when they're going in, and Kiergan is like, "Now be quiet, don't say anything." Like, oh, come on, that, that, that doesn't work on this guy. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work on any of these Emmonsfield people. <laughs> but, it's, but yeah, especially them. Yeah. Yeah, he does some name dropping. Right. Yeah, he mentions Suroth. Yeah, he just called her Suroth, not anything else. Yeah. And threatens, you know, some death and torment to grease the gears. <laughs> yep. And so that works. They get all the fork root and they get all the flyers. Uh, so I guess, are they really going to like fly these things over the Aeol town and drop the stuff in the I, barrels? Unclear. Is the, that the plan? No, I, I, uh, he wants to poison the entire water supply of the town. I don't, I, I know that they have a, an aqueduct system. So maybe they're dropping them into the aqueducts. I, I don't know. It sounds like that might be the plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that sounds like a plan we would come up with in D and D. Yeah. I mean, and how well does go? Yeah. <laughs> Not very well. Not great. Yeah. Uh, on, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. On the way out, someone takes an arrow shot at Perrin. Yeah. And he's yeah. saved by his Taveran luck. Exactly. Well, yeah. except he still gets an arrow in the arm. Yeah, but it's supposed to go yeah. in his heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better the arm than the heart. That's what I always say. And he's got plenty of muscle. Like, it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, after the, examining the arrow through his arm, he makes two determinations. One, if it was a two rivers bow, it would have been way more effective. And two, the arrow doesn't seem to have any information about how to find fight. <laughs> He's like, hey, arrow, where's Fahil? <laughs> nope, all right. <laughs> yeah, after that, he like, kind of loses interest in the arrow. Right. Yeah. But then again, he does have a magic healer who can heal him, so, you know. It's true, yeah. So this, this isn't that important to him. Yeah. Uh, I... I like Perrin. I like people just reacting to Perrin. I know. Yeah. He's gotten pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, and it's one of those things where we, we've seen this a couple of times where he doesn't know what, that he's, what he's doing is weird or he doesn't realize how strange he's being. And then someone, someone reacts to him. And he's like, I don't know why they're acting so weird about me. You know, <laughs> right. like he's, he's got a like scary glare on his face or it's like know. they never saw anybody howl like a wolf or bite a wine cup in half. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, bite it or crush it in half? Both. Uh, he probably, he's probably done both at some yeah. point. I know he's crushed the wine cup at least twice. Yeah. And the two would-be assassins took poison yeah. instead of getting captured. 
Yeah, he he does spare a minute to wonder who might be trying to kill him. He's like, well, most of my enemies are pretty far away. Maybe it's a Forsaken. Probably better not mention the Forsaken are after me, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'll be a whole conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did not think he was going to bring the Forsaken into the discussion. Yeah. That's more like third date material, whatever the military equivalent of a third date is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and every once in a while when I'm reading, I just like something that Sean Chen says just goes into a super Texas-y accent to me. And it just makes me laugh out loud to myself every time. If men will kill themselves rather than report failure, it means you have a powerful enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really hope with the show they go. They go yeah. with the, no way would they do that. They probably mm. won't, but I wish it they would. It would be so cool. It yeah. would be so hardcore. And so they decide to get in, you know. Aaron's got an arrow hole in him. I guess it's going to slow him down. Yeah, he needs a place to go heal when, you know, the Sean Chan aren't going to see people doing magic because they hate that. Right, yeah. He yeah. would probably literally lick his wound. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 13, Siege, Icon of the Lion of Andor. So Elaine is observing the repulse of uh, uh, Aramilla's latest assault on the walls of Camelin. Yeah, this is... So so this is... The siege has been going on for a while, and it sounds like it's getting increasingly costly from like a a life perspective, right? this is... Honestly, this is getting a little shameful, in my opinion, because she could end this with her magic powers right now. Exactly. I was like, this is an ethical dilemma, right? Like, Elaine is using the one power to move troops around. That's about it, which... Makes me wonder, like, how many lives could she save just by using the one power defensively, right? Not even yeah. as a weapon. If she just, like, uses shields or something like that. They can do that. Yeah. yeah. But she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right, yeah. Instead, I'm going or, to spend my troops' lives, like, you know. Or she could try and call her boyfriend, who has an army of 100,000 super soldiers. Or that, yeah. Which she doesn't want to do because it wouldn't look very good. But she's already using these mercenaries, even though that doesn't look very good. No. This is, uh, this is janky. I do not like what's going yeah. on here. Yep. Uh, or she could send like the wise ones to fight. They probably would do that for her. Avienda. Would Avienda loves killing people? She's like mm-hmm. really pissed off that she hasn't killed anybody in weeks. She's got the kin who are aren't strong, but surely they're you know got enough power to do something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But she has to win this a certain way, I guess. Mm. It is but, frustrating. But yeah, watching all these people dying, it was yeah. I was upset with Elaine. In fact, I'm upset with Elaine through most of these chapters. Yeah. But after the battle, she meets up with Birgitta and the mercenaries. Uh, Birgitta is super duper cool. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Uh, I liked her just like just raining arrows down on people from the wall. You know, when one of the mercenary guys is like, oh, that was, that was kind of my friend there that was fighting on the other side there. Uh, saw you get him in the neck right before he got to cover. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> nope. When I, did I say friend? I meant more like an acquaintance. I fought him before. It's fine. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the, the mercenaries are just unreliable. They're yeah. not going to win this fight. Yeah. There's a, I thought this was pretty cool little info that Robert Jordan was kind of giving us through Brigitte, that the mercenaries, they're not really, they're not really in it to win it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're not, they'll let, the merc, they'll let their opposing mercenaries run away because, you know, they'll return the favor and they're not, they're not going to, they're not that, they're not that, uh, what's the word? invested or yeah they're not invested yeah. yeah they don't want that paycheck to stop yeah so this is the downside of using mercenaries yeah mm-hmm. throughout all these chapters elaine is like unstable because of her pregnancy and yeah alice is this plausible what this about? was a little weird to me like mm-hmm. i've heard of pregnancy brain um but like when she later on the thing that made me think that there was something more going on is later on when she can't find her way back to her rooms yeah in the palace she grew up in like 
I don't know if that's Robert Jordan not really understanding the way like pregnancy brain works, but that seemed very unrealistic to me and made me wonder if there's something else going on. Yeah. Just a combination of that and like not being able to channel and everything else. It seemed unusual. Yeah. She's having these wild swings of emotion. That's normal. The wild swings of emotion is normal. Um, The tender boobs is definitely normal, but Mm. the, the mentally, yeah, the forgetfulness and stuff was very bizarre to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I can't tell. Yes. And uh, then on the way back, speaking of weird things, there's this strange magical storm over the palace that sort of appears and then... Amanda dismisses it, but like... And then they never talk about it again. Yeah, I was like... I, I, I was like racking my brain. It's like, Aramilla, does, does Aramilla have channelers? I mean, maybe I there's Aes Sedai. I would think so, but if, the, if she did have Aes Sedai, they couldn't make a lightning storm to kill people. Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. But they never talk about it again. Yeah, right. Well, actually, no. What's what's her name? I think that, uh, I think Sindane is with them, but not, but undercover, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she's not that powerful anymore, though, right? Well, I mean. I guess powerful enough, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Not, not by Forsaken standards, but probably still more powerful than most people in the world right now. But, but that would be weird. Like, Sindane was just making this storm for some reason, and then she gave up when Avianda dismissed it. I don't know what's going on with that at all. Yeah, it's me either. Bizarre. So they head back to the palace. Uh, they get a surprise. Uh, they get sudden reinforcements. Um, a Lieutenant Guybon has brought about 10,000 troops for her, mostly ex-guardsmen, who are put off by Gabriel. Um, and he's like, yeah, and they, they had their own weapons and they had their own armor and stuff, and here I am with an army for you. Yeah, I was like... This is very suspicious. Yeah. Right? 100% suspicious. Like, this is a great windfall and everything, but this is like, and, and this is just what she needs, right? Yeah. But this is very suspicious. And Elaine is thinking, well, you're a captain now. You're my best buddy now. And also, she thinks, he's super handsome. Oh, uh, no. No, this is the thing, right? Like, we've been here before. This is literally this exact thing. This this promoting a random person who happens to bring her something that yeah. ends right. up being a... <laughs> yeah, that's what Because Meller's yeah. still hanging around, too. Right, yeah. yeah. Is, is somebody, is some other faction running the exact same play? Has put a handsome person near her? That's what I was wondering. I yep. mean, the name of the chapter is Wet Things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> chapter 14, Wet Things. <laughs> I cut out the sea folk. Uh... Since the name of the chapter is Wet Things, I spent this whole chapter hoping that she doesn't take a bath. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't. And she didn't. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess the kin are still working on reprogramming their captured Shanchen with kind of limited success, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it, yeah, it's kind of working. They got one of the, the domine to walk around without the collar and, and use the pronoun I. Yeah. Mm. One of the suldom is, uh, admits that she can see channeling. Right. Which is the big deal. Which and, is good. And then Lane wants to send her back to the Sean Chan. Yeah, why? Oh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I get, I get where she's coming from. Like, obviously, it's horrible to send anyone into that Damani life, but she, this is going to be like poison in the well. Like, this is destructive to Sean Chan's hierarchy if they, if they increasingly get numbers of Suldam who are able to channel. Yeah, but sending one person in against all that just feels like a suicide. Well, that's why she says, let me wait until we get a few of them and then yeah. maybe we send a group of them. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the fence about this because it seems really unethical, but also it's probably not a bad idea. I mean, is it unethical? Just tell them the truth? Let their society crumble? We hate their society. No, that's that's fine. It's more sending people into that like kind of nightmare, right? Like yeah. intentionally sending people into like nightmarish... Mm-hmm not even slavery it's like torture slavery you know 
Mm, uh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. If they were going to make him a domine. Yeah. Yeah. Or just kill him outright, depending, you know. Right. Sure, true. But that's that's on the table also, right? That's also the other true. option if these people don't convert, right? Also true. Let's see. And uh, they're, we find out that they're using traveling yeah. for all of their like logistics and trade and whatnot. And, and Elaine has finally realized that, that that deal with the sea folk was kind of stupid. Yeah, because she has all the kin who can do that too. Right, yeah. So it's kind of like they're a modern city with an airport, you know, using yeah. air freight for everything. Sure, it sure does make siege a lot harder, doesn't it? Yeah, so... Hmm. Why don't they just move all their troops behind the besiegers and attack him? Right? I, I mean... This is this is the problem. With no, no, besiegers. actually, I, I know the answer to that. It's because they are currently greatly outnumbered. They can't win a fight on the open, open in the open, right? The, their advantage is that they have the city de- defenses because Armilla's forces outnumber hers like 10 to 1 or something like that, I think she said. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they can only do skirmishes. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, Even if they're not doing overt combat, they could do things like they cut know, their supply lines. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, that's the problem them. with the siege. You know, is that you have to you have to feed yourself while the city's sitting in there with all the food. Yeah, they they theoretically have the ability to do kind of a reverse siege where they have access to all the resources and the people outside the walls are getting kind of cut off. Yeah, it'd be interesting, but they don't do that. <laughs> um, we do get an update on Van Dien, who is now wearing her sister's clothing and perfume exclusively now. That's mm-hmm. not creepy. Yeah. I just feel like somebody needs to check and see if she's okay. <laughs> okay. What if it was Van Dien that got killed and uh-huh. Adelius is the dark friend and now she's just wearing her old clothes since they swap places? Oh. Yeah. That's probably what it is. They don't, they don't actually look the same because they're not actually sisters, right? They're twins. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't they're know if they're twins, twins, but they're definitely sisters. Yeah. They're, phys- they're actually sisters. Oh, they're actually sisters? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Twins. Okay. So they 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 maybe they look close maybe enough. They are. Maybe that's the maybe that's the the twist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so she's wearing her own clothes. I buy it. I buy it. She's like totally. She's slowly converting back to herself. Right. Yeah. Vandine is Adelius. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> but she still has the same warder. Oh, uh, the warder would probably figure that out. Yeah, he would know. No, you can, <laughs> no, you can hand a warder off. Right. That's the thing you can do. You can transfer a warder. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe they did that. Would a warder notice if you did that? I mean... Would they say anything if they noticed? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe the warder's a dark friend, too. Oh, yeah, it could be. Maybe that, that it's actually the warder's brother. Oh, <laughs> the warder also has a twin. So then Elaine meets with the new leader of the Sea Folk, who is a jerk, but, you know, same as the old leader, right? Yeah, right. the Sea Folk continue to be terrible at diplomacy. Right, yeah. She blames Elaine for the disappearance of Marilil and Talon and accuses her of breaking the deal and lying and it's just really i'm really over the sea folk honestly like like with the first sea folk we met when they were on the ship were actually pretty cool you know when they taught elaine the weather i think it was yeah Yeah. elaine the weather magic right yeah Yeah. those guys were cool but these people are terrible Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're they just they're just jerks and they're kind of dumb yeah and elaine's over it uh because she completely loses her shit with them (laughs) (laughs) yeah which but you know, nothing into debate like a full-on rage scream in someone's face. <laughs> Indeed. That's how you win an argument. And then, yeah. <laughs> but she's also screaming because people are constantly nagging her about her clothes and about, like, being Everything. solicitous towards her about the pregnancy. I felt that one. I felt that one hard because you get really infantilized in a lot of ways, it feels like, when you do become pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think that was... Uh, un- <laughs> Didn't strike me as unbelievable at all, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, well, it surprised me a little bit that she, as the daughter heir of Andor, didn't command a little bit more respect than that. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, when, once you're once you're uh, pregnant, then you're just a yeah. person who's pregnant, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
you're yeah. not you're not an adult anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get kind of more attuned on in book eleven to Robert Jordan's sort of style of writing a character where they are not really a, they're not self aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because she's thinking about how she's every act. I'm going to go here and I'm going to glide. I'm going to project royal dignity. But clearly she's not, right? Nobody respects her. Everybody treats her, everybody is giving her the side eye and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't, I don't, when I first read these books, I didn't really appreciate that. I kind of took every, the way people were thinking about themselves on face value. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I mean, I think I did that in the earlier books. And I do wonder, um, now that I understand that better, you know, if I, the books would read differently earlier on. Which is why after we finish these, we should read them again. That's right. Because uh-huh. time is a wheel. Do the dra- a podcast. <laughs> the dragon reread, reread. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon reread. The dragon reread. The reread, dragon reread. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter fifteen: A different skill, icon of the Aiel. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Alice Elaine gets lost on the way to her rooms in the palace. Yeah. WTF? Yeah. Don't. don't That's that. very weird. Yeah. yeah, I actually made a note about it to ask, so I'm glad you brought it up because I was like. I like I, I'm actually familiar, obviously familiar with the phenomenon of like pregnancy fog or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but this this was like so extreme. I was like, this does, like yeah, someone help me sense. out here, you know? I mean, I don't know. I happened to write a dissertation when I was pregnant, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like it's one thing to like forget where you left your keys or something like that, but like to to lose track of your your room in the palace where you've spent your you know half your life that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I was thinking like. Maybe this is one of those ghosts coming to life thing, and this was like a, a bubble in the pattern or some oh, kind of supernatural explanation. That would that, that would be a much better explanation. But but well, I don't know. All the ones, all the people around her, her guards and and Brigitta and Avienda are confused by what she's doing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they get dressed for a very long time. Yeah, like a long time. Yeah. A lot of time spending spend in towels and Robert Jordan talking about how Avienda's towel is not covering her very well. <laughs> you can see everything. <laughs> yeah, you can everything. see everything. <laughs> uh, they, uh, Elaine's servants all read as dark friends to me. <laughs> they all are all very suspicious. Yeah. I, we'll I didn't get that, but we'll see. No. You know, everyone, I just assume everyone's a dark friend at this point. But or she's, or forsaken. She's known the main one for like ever though, is Sandy. Uh, no, she's a. She came out of retirement, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, she was. Yeah, but didn't she serve like more gays? She could have been a dark friend then too. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I guess. But I she's been know. around a long time. Yeah, dark friends just, don't usually live that long. Just I don't know. <laughs> servants that get this much screen time in these books are dark friends. <laughs> uh, uh, so they discover uh, that Avienda has a talent for identifying Terangriol. That was cool. Yeah, this is uh, such a useful talent. I mean, as far as we know, mostly Isidai just. Ch- answer the question of what a Tarangrel does by channeling at it and hoping they don't explode because <laughs> yeah. I mean that's kind of they, they talk about how some people died screaming and so on but you know Avienda's way seems better yeah just just know with the magic talent yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, so so Elaine to go prove this they play a little like guessing guess a Tarangrel game and you know I love this shit like <laughs> I know it was great right yeah. Un- the unraveling mysterious artifacts is totally my jam. I was yeah, into this. Really cool. Yeah, there was a lot of things I was thinking about. A small hinged box, apparently ivory and covered with rippling red and green stripes, held music, hundreds of tunes, perhaps thousands. I bet the Tinker Song is in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. the song in, they've been seeking for in the like magic a thousand iPod. years. <laughs> the magic iPod. I know I'm saying that too. <laughs> yeah, there's like a pain rod, which I think Nynaeve knew was like a pain rod, but the, I mean, it's like the pain but, dildo. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, remember? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, it's like, oh, but it's adjustable. 
adjustable. It's got different speeds. <laughs> you have different pulse settings. It's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, there's like a water condenser thing, which is pretty cool. There's like a bunch of magic walkie-talkies, apparently. Yeah. Like this one's a walkie-talkie, this one's a walkie-talkie, this one's a walkie-talkie. Like all these rings, those are also walkie-talkies. Yeah, I guess funny. that's the most common thing. It's like cell phones, right? Yeah. Just a bunch of junk cell phones. I think they also yeah, find... Junk drawer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they also have an artifact for growing the ways. I think that's what that was. <gasps> she talks about a thing that's like, this is for growing things, but I don't think it's for plants. It sounds like it's for growing holes. And I was like, oh. oh you are so smart. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. that's. I think and you don't have to channel to make it work because yeah. OGR can't channel. Yeah, you sing to make it work. Sing, which the. Oh, you're so smart. Yeah, I think Super that's what it was. Cool. That's awesome. I wonder, I wonder how the ways are doing now that the taint's been cleaned. Uh, well, it's. You, I mean, Machin Shin is still there, right? Machin Shin, yeah. Well, Machin Shin, Machin Shin came about because of the taint in the power that was used to make the ways. Mm -hmm. But it's now independent of that taint, probably, probably right? Right? Yeah, probably. I wonder. I wonder if the, the ways could be cleansed or already are cleansed, and maybe Machin Shin is still there. But you know, I wonder. And yeah. then my favorite part: she found the two-foot-tall garden gnome, which holds <laughs> a bunch of books. Yeah, it's yeah. like a garden gnome Kindle. Yeah, fancy e-reader. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're not as interested in that as I think they should be. I know, right? Okay, seriously. Like, this is if this is a library in, like, imagine what knowledge is in there. Because this is like, this, right. there's probably a record of what all these other things yeah, do, it right? Might be, they might be a book about how to make Terran Griol, Elaine. I, yeah. I bet there is. Yeah, I like totally it, a thing that they would have. I liked how it has a fiction and a nonfiction second section, but the words are truth and lies. <laughs> I wish real bookstores had a section <laughs> truth and lies. I'd be into that. How yeah. amazing was that? I would read a whole damn chapter just about this, honestly. Yeah, it's it incredible. Cool. And yeah, the, the main the dagger that Aviana was originally toying with is apparently makes you invisible to the shadow, to Mirdral and Trollocs. Yeah, that's super useful. That's handy. Very handy. But no, we uh, are are. Fantasy Antique Roadshow is ended by the wise ones showing up and kidnapping Avienda. And uh, they're not kidnapping her. I mean, making her leave. Ordering whatever. her. Yeah, well, yeah. Apparently, orders have come from Rand that the Aiel are leaving, and Avienda has to go with them. <sighs> yeah. You know who we haven't heard from lately? Rand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the last we heard, he was going to meet with uh, the daughter of the Nine Moons, right? Well, that's what he said. I mean, we, we did get that flash from Matt where he and Min were... Uh, conferring. <laughs> That's a good point. We know what Rand is really up to. <laughs> yeah. But apparently he's also ordering the Aiel to go to where he is. But he ordered no one, he ordered no one to be told where they were going. Uh, I wonder if Matt's... Sorry. I wonder if Rand is going to meet with the imposter daughter of the Nine Moons. Oh, uh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I wonder who the imposter daughter of the Nine Moons is. It, it probably isn't actually one of Tuan's sisters because we know from... Uh, uh, what's her name? The Forsaken. Simiraj. Simiraj, that the whole family's dead, right? Yeah, the whole family that was in Shanshan. We don't know exactly where Tuan's sisters were. That's fair. They could but, be uh, made it over. But we still don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. Uh, the wise ones take the opportunity to lecture Elaine about pregnancy stuff. Oh, yeah. So, like, you should get a midwife. <sighs> because, awesome. yeah, the, the uh, daughter heir of Andor doesn't have good medical care, apparently. So, that they, she needs their advice of a bunch of. Freaking hicks. <laughs> Annoying. And then they leave with Avienda, and Elaine gets ready to go see the mercenaries that are waiting to meet with her. And they have a really touching, tearful goodbye. Avienda and Elaine just, you know, they uh, they have like the, the party moment. They exchange gifts. It's really cute. Mm -hmm. mm. Seems kind of dumb since she could literally travel to see her like every day. Okay, that's true. But I mean... That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, goodbye forever. Also, you're like... Faster than a taxi drive away. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this this traveling thing really like it occurred to me that it changes the way a society is structured, right? Like if you're if your friend's place is like literally a step away, you're like, hey, I'll be over. You just like step through a portal. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like imagine imagine how compare uh, compared to how our society works with air travel. Yeah. Where like my family in Arizona is is a two hour plane flight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a hundred years ago they would have been like. I don't know, 100 years, they probably would have like a snail ride. They rode snails back then. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chase. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of snails. You had to just tape them to your feet, hundreds right. of them. Well, you know, you had to lay down on them because you don't <laughs> put too much pressure on the snails. That's so a good point. You can't stand up. You sound bit. Micah. <laughs> My drink muffler didn't muffle very well. Yeah, <laughs> you knocked over your snail. Anyway, we got an email from a listener, Kristen, who had in two questions for us. The first one is, which Aja do you think you'd be? Mmm. Green. Really? Yeah. That'd be green Asha. Not brown Asha. You're kind of a pacifist. I am? Wait. Aren't you? Oh, yeah. That's right. The green and the battle Asha, that's aren't right. they? Like, yeah. What were you thinking? You, they were like the... The boners, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they get down, you know? Those who bone. They're the only Asha that gets gets down, you know? That's true. I like to get down. Get I don't think that's true. That they're the only Asha that bones. I bet the others do. I bet Moraine did. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. did she though? Maureen. She was too busy. <laughs> she was pretty busy. Not I don't, too busy to buy. You're, you're never too busy to get busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Kyrie and then okay, okay. If, if anyone can bone, and that's the case, then uh, yeah. Let me think about that. Um, yellow, probably. I think I like the yellow Aja. It'd yeah. be cool to be able to heal people. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty practical. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would go brown Aja. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Researchers. Like, yeah. They, they seem like the coolest, right? All the brown Aja people we meet are the coolest. Right? I'd, I'd, I'd want to hang out with the brown Aja. Like, even if I was yellow Aja, I'd, like, want to go chill with the brown Aja and just, like, listen to them tell me things. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, like, I would want to, like, be a peer distracted with, like, an ink smudge on my nose, but then occasionally give a piercing bird-like stare. <laughs> <laughs> Viren is still my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty great. How about you, Alice? I would be brown, but um, I think that blue would be kind of interesting too. I like feeling self righteous about things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm laughing. Yeah, SJW Aja. <laughs> but the, the I'm laughing at myself because the second question was which Aja would you put your co-hosts in? And yes, black is an option. And if I had to classify, I thought to myself, of course you'd be brown and you would be yellow yeah. because I remember you once saying that you were you thought you might be a good nurse and i remember thinking you'd be an extremely good nurse cuz you're kind and you're good at, you like to look after people yeah um you're talking about so not so, me yeah no i'm not talking about Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you nailed it i did nail it yeah, i totally yeah. nailed it yep um but what what Aja would you put us in oh definitely brown i would have i would get brown for both of you you're both ravenclaws too yeah i know that's it, why i, mean, I first kind of... thought i'd put you I, i'd make you a black Aja cuz you like the slytherins yeah the black uh, or the red i would put you blue yeah. Yeah. You yeah. seem like a person who would want to spend time making the world better. Oh, well, thank you. Remind me, so the one I always struggle with is the gray versus the white. I know they're both... White is logic and gray is mediator, right? Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Gray yeah. is negotiations. Okay. So yeah. white is, is more just like... Uh, yeah. So less negotiation and more just like... Yeah. Sort of philosophy and, and semantic logic, apparently. Yeah. Gotcha. But none of them like math. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the math section the library is just empty. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> Medieval times world. I know. Yeah. Math is very useful. If there was a math Aja, I would be in that Aja. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the brown Aja should be the math Aja. Well, maybe the white Aja, right? It's kind of like okay. a philosophy thing, right? You know, the, the higher levels of abstract thought. Yeah, that so. makes sense. What would you put your partners in? 
Because um, I think I put Brandon in gray. He's a very good like manager, and I could see him like doing good at like mediating over people. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's no. I'm thinking, what's the creative people, Aja? They don't have those, right? Not really. They don't do that. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, why isn't there an Aja yeah, for like makers for like art, like an art Aja? Yeah, because yeah. like you could do some cool art stuff with the one tower, right? I guess I, I said I are too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Good good point. Where there are they don't make weapons, but they can make other stuff. Yeah, they should. Who's the crafter Arja? Aja. They haven't been able to make Tarangrail for a while, but they can make other things. The rainbow yeah. one. The rainbow Aja. Rainbow yeah, Aja, I don't know yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, whatever that would be. That's that's what I'd put B in, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask her when I get back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to explain a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's really looking forward to that. <laughs> Tell her all about the different Ajas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that was a good question. Thank you, Kristen. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if anybody else ever has any questions, just send us an email at hello at armadillo.club. Yep. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 16 through 20 of Knife of Dreams. Uh, I'm Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That is Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram because I don't Twitter. I'm on my... I'm on, uh... <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Sometimes I can't talk. Uh, I'm Micah Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. <laughs> if you have any comments or questions or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. If you ask us a question, we may answer it on air. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time, the light illumine you. you.